from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Hello, Cleveland! Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. Welcome to the Panel Scanners Podcast. My name is Darren. No Tim, no Phil tonight. Uh, and this is our Transformers special, uh, Panel Scanners episode 119. Um, and a quick caveat, I have not truly engaged with Transformers since I was a kid. Neither have Tim or Phil. Uh, they're not fans, but we around here at the Panel Scanners offices recognize the global force in pop culture that is those amazing robots in disguise. That is why I reached out to two of my closest friends, to help me steer this episode and to make sure I'm doing the topic the justice that it deserves. Now, uh, Mark, welcome back. You were with us uh, a while a while back, and you uh, helped us out uh, with some news that we did. And you we did a segment called "Who's Your Bond," in which uh, the two of us ran down uh, our favorite James Bonds. And uh, I do owe you an apology. I know I've spoken to you about this already officially, uh, but I want to say that you we did tease to Mark and I running down our favorite, our top ten favorite James Bond films through a variety of technical snafus. Uh, something happened with that particular episode. It is lost. But Mark, you've uh, graciously agreed to come on at some time in the future, and we're going to try it again. So thank you very much for that. And in fact, I think we even decided that you know why not just do all of the films as we we approach the final Daniel Craig entry. So thank you for being so gracious. And then I, I do apologize that uh, we had that problem, but I'm, I'm actually, I think it's going to work out very well in the long run, especially since I think you just, uh, you've watched uh, most of them that we just talked about leading into Daniel Craig's run. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, ironically, right after you informed me that the uh, segment had been lost, I got a 30-day free Epics trial, and Epics just happened to have all the Bond movies on April 1st. So uh, my wife and I have recently rewatched all of them. I'm actually thrilled that you lost it because I think it's going to come off way more uh, involved and probably much tighter this time with a much more rounded outlook on it. And, you know, one of the things I'm probably going to ask you is if your list of who's your bond changed in any way going into it. Don't tell me now because I think I think there, there might I'd be interested to see if there's any changes in the in the in the, the six guys that played bond. Um, there might be. Oh, there might interesting. be. I was hoping you'd say that. All right, so thank you again, Mark. And a man making his long-awaited debut on the panel scanners, long-awaited for me anyway. He has been my best friend for over 30 years. Hard to believe, right, Gary? But it has oh, been right. over 30 yeah. years. Uh, the, ba- the Batman to my Robin, the Wayne to my Garth, the Prime to my Bumblebee, indeed the Gary to my Ace. Uh, my pal Gary. <laughs> Gary, thanks for joining us on the panel scanners tonight. I'm really happy that you're here finally. Uh, I'm glad to finally be making my debut. Yeah, hey, why don't you show Mark your jersey there? I think he's going to oh. like it. <laughs> very nice. Because, uh, you know, I'm wearing a... Uh... Oh, very nice. oh, that's funny. <laughs> now check out the back of this thing. It's got... Uh, it's oh, pretty sweet. It's nice. a hockey jersey that sounds like... I'm wearing a Lake County Captain's uh, Superman jersey, game-worn jersey there from Superhero Night, so I'm not as cool as you guys. Um, Indian single-A team. Enough on the sports. 
Now, I asked Mark and Gary to join me as they are what Tim, Phil, and myself are not, unabashed Transformers enthusiasts, a couple of pals that fell in love with the concept as kids and either never let go or rediscovered their, lo their love along the way. The same way I maintained my love for comics, Star Wars, the Muppets, and even Star Trek, and along the way rediscovered my love for Masters of the Universe, Atari, and even pro wrestling, as recent episodes would suggest. Given that I am what could be described as a non-practicing Transformers fan, I began researching for this episode considering the concept of nostalgia and how it is triggered. Now, nostalgia is not something you can manufacture, at least I don't think it is. It's, it's a spontaneous thing. It just sort of happens. And yet there is no reason for me not to have retained a devotion to Transformers. There was a time, roughly right around Transformers' debut, that the toy line consumed me when I was eight years old. I remember seeing the toys, dumbfounded by what I was seeing. Nothing like it had come before, unless you count GoBots, which, depending on who you believe, came first in the States. Even still, it was kind of by an insignificant amount of time either way. And even if it did, the Transformers were way cooler. Um... One of my fondest memories, though, from childhood that I can recall with nostalgic clarity was unwrapping Optimus Prime on Christmas morning, 1984. But forever a key ingredient to nostalgia is time. There must be a passage of time for one to experience nostalgia. I have no way of saying for certain as to what length of time is necessary. Certainly it would differ from person to person. However, I believe... I can trace why Transformers was left in the past for me to a pair of determining factors. Time and the infamous release of the 2006 Transformers film by Michael Bay. Mm -hmm. um, the, immediate, yeah, the immediate <laughs> preceding years saw me abandon my love of Star Wars for a time. And I filled that void by digging up my old Atari system and games along with cataloging my Masters of the Universe collection for sale on eBay. So powerful was that nostalgia surrounding both that I could not bring myself to post them for sale and still have not done so. Um, I retain both collections. Uh, so the logical next rediscovery for me was to be Transformers, I assumed, because it was at least, it at least rivaled MOTU in the 80s in terms of popularity, I would think. I maybe even in, surpassed Masters of the Universe in, in terms of popularity. Popularity, But then came that all-too-familiar, ill-fated theatrical release, ruining a treasured childhood memory. Not to presume too much, but I know at least of one of you two that will echo that sentiment. All right? I'm pretty well, sure you both will. Both. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so if I had to guess, I simply just hadn't gotten around to organically experiencing a Transformers uh, revival for myself. It was going to happen soon, I assume, but then the movie kind of killed any chance of that happening because after that film, all that Transformers stuff, th that version of Prime was the only version of Prime you, you found. It was everywhere. And for a minute there, in the, in the middle 2000s, late 2000s, it was the movie franchise. Um, uh, so I just feel like, you know, at some point... You know, Masters of, the, Masters of the Universe, not really, there's never really been a true revival of it. So, whatever you loved about it as a kid, it's still intact. Um, right, you know, it hasn't been spoiled yet. Yeah, and you know, Star Wars, we all know about the prequel trilogy. I mean, that's not a debate. Um, and I think that's what happened. Transformers just sort of, I didn't have enough time to get to it, and it was ruined for me by the time I got to it. What do you got? What do you guys think of this? Well, that, that should be pretty easy to bypass, considering Michael Bay didn't actually make a Transformers movie, not in the slightest. 
I mean, it's it's just random characters with Transformer names slapped on them. I'm sure if you take Transformers off, but the first one's not a bad sci-fi action movie. It's just it has nothing to do with Transformers at all. Mark, I, I envy you your Captain Detachment, as you said. I, I just the problem I have with that is that guy has they, they even went so far as to recast the same guy as Optimus Prime. And so it's like all the, 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 the window dressing right. is too close. You know, it's just too close. So, but I mean, I, I get your point. You're, you're right. It's not. Gary, I know you were probably going to echo that sentiment too. Uh, yeah, it, it, this is its own episode in itself. Um, <laughs> Agreed. I mean, Darren, you, you and I saw that movie together. We did. Um, and don't go too far down that road. I, I, I'm not. Okay. Because um, I think we're going to be talking about this a little bit. I I I got the redesign. I, I was able to accept that. Um, the, the the change of abilities where their ability to transform and like pick what they wanted when they wanted made sense, but it was not traditional. The part that got me was the I'll say philosophical what they were about. Um. Again, not to get into mu- too much, but you know, here they have this this cube, and Megatron's coming for it. So what do they do? They run to a populated city. Like <laughs> that is like the opposite. Like we've got to get this for, as far away from possible from any you know people, you know. But that's not what they did. So it, it, we start changing the characters on a you know fundamental basis. That's when I really kind of like okay, I, I gave you this and I gave you that, but I can't let that one go. And, and I'm with Gary on that, is, and that follows along with a lot of the problems with that franchise. If you look at it, Optimus Prime is kind of a mass murderer in those movies. Oh, man. It's, he just kills Decepticons left and right, beheading and executing. That is not the Prime I grew up with. And then you look at things like every single character is pretty much some kind of stereotype that they have slapped a Transformer name on for brand recognition. Oh, how do you do it? Yeah, that's one of those things I still remember, that when you we walked out of the theater, and again, we'll get to this, it was bad. And then we, we decided, like, okay, a couple years later, we go to see the sequel. We're like, well, there's no way it's as bad as the first one. And it was way worse. We're like, oh, my God. And at that point, I was almost like, they had to try to make this worse, right? I mean, there's no way we, they could just stupidly be, they couldn't be that dumb. But anyway, I mean, the second, the second the, one there was, was more alcohol I've ever seen. Uh, there was more alcohol involved with each, you know, sequential movie. You know, before I go to see it, a couple more drinks. Next one, a few more drinks than that. <laughs> and they got better. So. I, out of five movies, I will give Dark of the Moon. I mildly enjoyed the third one. It was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. And then it got all the fourth or fifth. It got so much worse after I watched all of them just so I could have a base for judgment. And um, the ridiculousness of the fifth one is in insane levels. Do you know why I got suckered into the third one? And this is such a weird, this is so me. You guys know me very well. Leonard Nimoy. Because, you know, I'm a Star Trek fan. But I'm also, <laughs> yeah. I was also just a fan of him. I thought, always thought he was just a fascinating, and he always seemed like a wonderful human being. And he had that, his voice is, you know, maybe, you're talking top five voices all time leonard oh yeah he's right up there with peter cullen for me right you know so like like okay now you got me but you know and he was in the transformers movie back in 86 was it 
Uh, I believe so. Yeah, he was, uh, the original Gal- he was. Was he? Was, he was Leonard Nimoy Galvatron? That's right, he was. Yes. Uh, okay, so it was a little bit of stunt casting at the same time. All right, but here's the deal. Let's get off of that thing and let's talk about now. Since we know that the Michael Bay film series. Uh, which I believe the most recent one is not part of, or at least it wasn't by him. No, um, it, it's that's... kind of a soft reboot. Okay, all right, but uh, it's clearly not the Transformers uh, Prime, pun intended, canon. So my question would be, what is? Now we are the panel scanners. We're a comic book podcast, and uh, I'm kind of excited that you, we're all three of us going to kind of team up on the retroactive review. Of the Transformers Marvel series from 1984. Um, now, I've got some information, and then I really want to toss it to you guys. Um, and so the first issue was written by Bill Mantlo. Now, Mantlo was the obvious choice to launch Transformers, as he had written a pair of titles based on toys for Marvel, Micronauts, and ROM Space Knight, both of which achieved moderately successful runs in the 1970s. Now, I've made no secret on this podcast for years now that Bill Mantlo is one of my favorite comic writers. In fact, I retroactively reviewed both Micronauts and Rom Space Knight already on this podcast a couple of years ago. Micronauts you can find way back in the Panel Scanners episode 42. And Rom Space Knight you can find in Carolyn John's free comic book day midnight release party 2017 part 2. Um, I also kickstarted a collected edition for Matt Lowe's Swords of the Swash... S-words. <laughs> S-words of the Swashbucklers. Swords of the Swashbucklers, <laughs> which I am looking forward to retroactive... Re- words, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, retroactive reviewing that, and I have contributed to a GoFundMe for his continuing health care. As most know, he suffered a terrible accident in the 1990s and has required round-the-clock care since. If you listen to this podcast and you were a fan of Bill Mantlo, you just type Bill Mantlo into GoFundMe and you, go fund me and you'll find it. Um, Ralph Macchio, not Ralph Macchio. Not, I mean, that, that's an also, not another name that's big in this podcast because I'm a massive Cobra Kai fan. Um, Ralph Macchio, <laughs> Thor, Daredevil, Captain America, and several of the Ultimate titles along with uh, Jim Salakrup, the Avengers, Spider-Man, and the Fantastic Four contributed to revving the engine for the Transformers at Marvel in terms of the writing. Now, Gary, who are the artists on this? Because i got to admit, we, we sort of talked to, at the uh, start of the podcast, and these are guys, as much as we've been involved uh, on the panel scanners, uh, you know, diving into the history of comic books, these are guys I've never actually, I, I, I confess, I've not heard of them. They're not big names. And this is pulled from uh, Wikipedia. I mean, if you look at the actual, you know, issues, you know, they got colorists, they got pencilers, there's, but the ones that seem to be given the credit, uh, Jose Delbo, Jeff Senor, Andrew Wildman, and Dwayne Turner. Uh, you know, I, I, Dwayne Turner might sound familiar, but I, I can't say that I'm familiar with these guys. But, uh, so, real quickly, um... Okay, by the way, I meant to say that the primary through-line story appears to have been shepherded by the editor at the time, who's Bob Udiansky. Uh, but what do, you, what do we think of the artwork here? Is it is it do they do they nail this thing with the Transformers? A bunch of guys we haven't heard of, or did it seem like they were sort of uh, figuring things out along the way? Well, I'm going to say that it's kind of funny if you look at the first issue. Um, you can tell it came out before the cartoon because a lot of the characters are definitely their toy incarnations. You know, uh, Ratchet, Ratchet and Ironhide in a background scene have no heads. They're just a chest with a face in it. Right. Um, Braun has big hook hands, and there's spindly legs. And the well, first actually, that was Ratchet and uh, Ironhide's toy form. Yeah, that's what I said. They were yeah. 
They're obviously based on the toy forms, not the cartoon. Oh, I'm sorry. You did say it. All right. Yeah. And then as the comic went on, they kind of came a little more in line with the design from the cartoon characters. But always taking a little more, I think, of the toyetic design than the cartoon did. Yeah. So, okay. So my question then becomes, um, the comparison to the cartoon, um, you know, would you guys consider... This, this obviously predates the cartoon, so this would be the proto Transformers storyline. Um, does this inform the cartoon? Well, uh, Bobadiansky's work was the catalyst for everything Transformers. All of the personalities, everything that made it to the cartoon, came from his work. Okay. Except in the comic book, it's much more involved. It's much more concrete. It's, well, it's they a deeper the, dive into the characters. Yeah, they get the space to do it. Where you know, 20 yeah. minutes, yes. nineteen minutes in a cartoon, you don't quite have that. Um, if you've got a line in an episode of the cartoon, <laughs> so would yeah. yeah. So would we say that the story points, tone, themes, characterizations, sort of uh, in line with the cartoon? Then, huh? Uh, deeper, darker. Oh, all right, good. Bit more, bit more, uh, bit more uh, emotional and involved. All right, so for someone like me. Who, I'm. I have to. I'm, I'm gonna. I want to get to this in our top ten because I have something I want to say about the cartoon. Um, who is, as I stated, a non-practicing Transformers fan, someone who never managed to find that, you know, that bit of nostalgia that grabbed hold of me again. Should I go with this? Should I dive back into the the comics? Does it hold up, or is it a relic of the past? Having recently revisited both, the comic, it, if, if you're familiar with as cheesy as 80s comic books can be at times, it's no yes. worse than anything else in the 80s, and it's definitely a better starting point than the cartoon, which did not hold up very well once I rewatched it. <laughs> I, if I'm being honest and I take the nostalgia glasses off, the, the cartoon is kind of a train wreck in a lot of places. I, I started re-watching the cartoon as well. You know, I've got my, my box set, you know, made through season one, discs one and two of season two. Um, of course, I, I watch the, you know, feature movie once a month at least. Um, <laughs> still all-time favorite film of all, you know, all-time. Gary, do you have, do you have the touch? Um, That's his ringtone when he calls me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, y- y- yes, it... <sighs> It, it holds up, but I mean, you, you rewatch anything, Thundercats, Silverhawks, you know, anything from that era, G.I. Joe, especially. I mean, it's 20 minutes of commercial, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was a big, it, it was there to sell the toy. I mean, it's like, you know, the kids would say, hey, I got, you know, here, I just saw my toy on screen or someone new would come on screen. It's like, I got to go buy him. It, yep. it really wasn't, you know, there were a lot of, you know, loopholes, not loopholes, but just large glaring plot holes, you know, or, and I hate to say this, but I mean, the more I watch that, like, the less, I don't want to say fondness I have for Optimus Prime, but he didn't do a lot. You know, it's like episode one, Mirage pretty much saved everything. Um, you know, it was Bumblebee in this episode or Sideswipe in that episode or, you know, it was like, you know. Prime lost a fight, and like, okay, we have to leave the planet now. It's like, okay, you're not really helping things. But you know, the, the English episodes where they do actually go and spotlight Prime is where he does shine. I, I suppose. Um, yeah. 
but it's it, it's I, I don't know why I, I, again watching this now through adult eyes you know why was that reverence there you know it's um i i can give you a little idea um gary you don't know but darren you you know what kind of childhood i had yeah <laughs> and so uh for me uh the the quiet strength and composure that peter cullen's performance gave optimus prime that was my father figure growing up that was what i looked up to it you was know, that idea that you don't have to be a blustering action hero that quiet words and and strength of conviction are what make you a hero you know it's interesting that you say that because i recently saw a list of the best leaders and who uh, like and they had like two kinds of leadership like essentially the like, the cowboy diplomacy sort of captain kirk sort of uh, leadership um, but the other on the other side of that, who do you really want to follow? Optimus Prime came in number two to Jean Luc Picard. I agree um, with that. And, okay. <laughs> I can see that. And they said that yeah. And in, in all honesty, the two are extremely similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. So the question I then have: um, so we're talking about the cartoon being a bit of a mess. Some 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 uh, high points, but still, you know, a lot of plot holes. And the comic a little bit of cheesy. So my question becomes. And I was going to ask you where this ranks, and it doesn't seem like it does, but should the comic or the cartoon be considered the prime source material? And if neither, what is the prime source material for Transformers in terms of story, in terms of characterization? Well, I, I have, I mean, unless Mark wants to j- jump in on this, I do, I guess I have something to chime in here. Well, go ahead. Oh, go and for we'll it. Um, I'll follow up after you. I'm going to say follow the money. Um, the, the big money was the toy and the cartoon was there to push the toy. And I, I thought about that, you know, looking over, okay, which one there, there's too many discrepancies between the comic and the show to really say, this is the thing. However, there are some things from the comic that have followed through. There are some things from the show that have followed through. So it, it's kind of, you can't really just say it's definitely this. You know, because, okay, you go back to the Jetfire, Skyfire, you know, debate. Uh, in the toy, he's known as Jetfire. In the comic, he was Jetfire. In the show, he was Skyfire. So, you know, there's one for that group. Um, Spike Wiki versus Buster. You know, it's like they couldn't even get the name of the kid right. Or not the, the, not right, but the same. Um, you know, watching the uh, special features on the box set. You know, saying there, there was such a disconnect. You know, the lines of communication were running so fast that different parties didn't have time to talk to each other. So while Bob came up with these characters and a backstory, you know, they kind their origin story of crashing on Earth was basically the same, and then it just diverged, like for you know a couple years until they kind of pulled it back in a little bit later on. Um. I mean, okay, so I mean, if those are my choices, I would have to go cartoon because cartoons are based off of toys, and the toys were what they were trying to push. Mark, uh, I I would say that um, like like Gary said, uh, G one, especially if you're a collector of say masterpiece style Transformers or some of the newer uh, third party merchandise, there's a big push with a lot of collectors that G one means cartoon. And they seem to forget that G1 actually had three facets, as Gary pointed out, the toy, the cartoon, and the comic. 
Now, for me, um, the personalities were dictated by the work for the toy and the comic, so those, to me, take priority for the cartoon. Um, a lot of things that cartoon fans take as gospel, um, Rumble being blue versus red and black. <laughs> you know, that's a huge controversy online with people. Um, and in the toy, Hasbro has always made Rumble the cassette tape red and black. On uh, the comics, he was red and black. The cartoon, he was blue because it was an animation error, which was frequent on that show because they had really crappy Korean animation. It was very cheap. There's a lot of animation errors, and a lot of things that are taken as gospel from cartoon fans were actually mistakes. Was that Sunbow? Was that the production company? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all uh, right. so, for me, I look at the comic as gospel, along with maybe the toy right behind it. I mean, the, the comic was first. Like I said, Bud came up with most of the characters. He was in charge of the comic. The comic was put out, you know, and advertised to kind of get a jump on the GoBots, which had a test release in California at the time. And then once people saw the advertisement, you know, with the animation for the comic, they were started asking about the toys. And hence with the toys and all the new relaxed, relaxed regulations, you know, they started pushing out the show. You know, I think people... Hurt. That's inarguable. <laughs> yeah, I think people tend to forget, because of the state the industry's been in, that comic a comic series was equally as important as a cartoon series back in the 80s. The 80s was sort in terms of production and, you know, sales and mass audience reach. The 1980s was the high point for the comic book industry. Um, I mean, you had to have a comic if you were anything back then. And oh, right. You, you look at, like, the Uncanny X-Men, which was the unquestioned top seller in the 1980s, were moving, like, a million books a month. And it's funny, like, right behind them was the new Teen Titans. So you had you didn't even have like guys like Batman, Superman, Spider Man. You had these teams. So you figure like something like Transformers comes along, and I know the comic did really well. I mean, it lasted what eighty five issues or something like that. Eighty issues, yeah, uh, three hundred and thirty two in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was it was a big deal for Marvel to have that. And I always, I still like seeing that uh, Marvel masthead with Optimus Prime in there. They always did such a I mean, those Marvel mastheads were so were so great. I don't even know if that's the right term, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, oh yeah. Uh, all right. So I don't know. So I, I so here's the thing. Final thought on this: Is it worth a read if you are at all interested in Transformers, like myself? If I want to go down and get the nostalgic kick out of Transformers, sounds like I really ought to go to the comic. And Mark, I've read a lot of '80s comics, so I mean, the, I, I the know inherent cheesiness is not going to work. What's that? Yeah, it, there's a different method of writing dialogue back then. It was much less real, much less real world. Um, well, they're narrating know, everything they do. <laughs> exactly. And if you're cool with reading old 80s comics like Teen Titans or oh things like that, God, you'll, you'll be Titans. fine with it. You'll be fine with well, it. Well, uh, the Teen Titans, I said on this podcast, is my all-time favorite monthly. The new Teen Titans, Wolfman and Perez. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So, hey, this is. it sounds like if you're into that sort of – if you're a Transformers fan and you want to get back into it or you want to find with the prime source material, sounds like the two of you guys are saying go to the comic. Um, I think you have to. If, if for nothing else, like I said, eventually the comic and the show do kind of merge, you know, get their ducks in a row. You know, as far as – you know, something like, like the creation matrix. Um, in the comic, it was a relic. I'm sorry. No, in, in the cartoon, it was like a relic. It was something you could hold in your hands. In the comic, it was in Prime's head. Yeah. Oh, okay. Until eventually later on, when you get Matrix Quest and all that, and it's yeah. actually the relic again. So it does come around. All right. Yeah, so comic 
thumbs up. Do it. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> now we're going to get to the heart of the matter, and uh, this is something I'm excited to do with you guys. And uh, our top ten Transformers moments, our favorite. And once again, as always in the uh, Panel Scanners podcast, we do not deal with best. We always talk about what our favorites are. If you guys want to reach out to us on the Instagram or uh, Facebook uh, and tell us what your favorite Transformers moments are, we'd be happy to give those a quick rundown on our uh, on a subsequent episode. Now, I'm going to have to um, remind everyone that I have not engaged in Transformers in many, many years. Um, so I, to keep it, to keep myself honest, I was only able to get to eight. Uh, I am going to participate in this, but this is really a, a time I really I'm going to let Gary and Mark take over because uh, both of them are such uh, tra- good Transformers fans, massive Transformers fans. And actually, I, I'm glad to like have you guys be able to talk to each other um, <laughs> because uh, you know I, I kind of feel like the Transformers fans like you, you, it's 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 tough because you could run into someone like, hey, are you a big Transformers fan? Yeah, I am. And then you start talking like, oh yeah, the best one is the first movie with Michael Bay, and you're like, oh, you're not a Transformers fan. Uh. Um, so you guys seem like you so far you're like right there in lockstep with what we're going on now as always we're going to go through 10 through 6 and for me it's 8 through 6 um, real quickly and here we go my number 8 crumple zone real quickly Gary and I played a, uh, a video game I think it was the one that before the real good one that came out about what 10 years ago what was that oh jeez oh, um, War for Cybertron no, before that. Well, the was, one that um, was right before that, Gary, and you, I don't know if you remember this. We played it together. We were yeah. we were hanging out. We had uh, we had a few. We had uh, thrown a few back, and then I just discovered there was a transformer named Crumple Zone, which for whatever reason made me laugh for like a full week. Um, so that was part of the uh, the Armada line. <laughs> okay. I, I'm struggling to say Crumple Zone right now. I don't even know what his characterization is. We're talking many beers into the night when I get to Crumple Zone. Whatever idiot. Uh, mode i was in it just made me laugh it's a fond memory number uh seven mark's customs i'm at disneyland disney world last year and i keep getting all these texts from mark mark and i are trading texts back and forth and uh, he's showing me all these custom transformers he's been doing gary you got to get his number and uh let him send you some of these pictures they're freaking incredible um number six watching cj my son gaze at prime at universal studios last year it was like he was seeing god um he thought i mean for him he was only two at the time so this was a real robot that was talking to him and it was eight feet tall uh mark yours go all right well first i just want to go real quick and give an honorable mention here that um i want to say that recently i've really appreciated the television series transformers prime that's a good one to check out as well i wholly agree i will support that decision it is uh, a phenomenal animated series loved every minute of it uh, my other ones are receiving Blue Streak, Soundwave. Those are my first two Transformers. Very fond childhood memory there. Just didn't quite make it into my top ten because there are other things that edged them out. Mm. And third, and I'm going to have to give just a slight little background on this, there's a scene in the Bumblebee movie where Bumblebee gets into the house and starts tapping at a can of tab on a table. And it explodes and scares the living crap out of him. And my wife and I laughed for like a good 15 minutes about that because we have a cat who chewed through a can of Guinness and did the same thing. Nice. So it scared the crap out of him. He wouldn't come back into the room for an hour after it sputtered and hissed at him. And we were just laughing hilariously that Bumblebee did the exact same thing. He pulled a chappy, as we put it. (laughs) So now on to my 10 through 6. Number 10, the Battle Atop Sherman Dam and More Than Meets the Eye Part 2 in the cartoon. 
Megatron versus Optimus Prime, Energon weapons. I frequently set up my masterpiece, Megatron and Prime, fighting on top of my bookshelf in this manner. It is just, it's a thing that's always stuck with me. Uh, number nine, a couple years ago, finding out that Masterpiece Transformer toys were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, I had the 20th anniversary Prime. Just I thought it was a one-off. I didn't know they did more. And so uh, a couple years ago, I was looking online, and I found a knockoff of the Soundwave. And I was like, oh, my God, he's one of my favorite characters. Ordered it, and that was a rabbit hole I'm still going down. <laughs> uh, number eight. War for Cybertron 2010 on the PlayStation 3. That is probably the thing responsible for really getting me back into Transformers after a long gap. Mm-hmm. I loved the game. I loved the story. Everything about it was mm, just... It, it hit all the right notes for me and just got me back on the train. Uh, number seven, when I was a kid, I desperately wanted the Duocon flywheels. <laughs> wow. And there was a traumatic incident involving parents that i'm not going to talk about but there was some psychological carnage involved with it and uh when they put out a version of that character for the siege line recently and i finally got my hands on it let's just suffice it to say i kind of sat on the floor and held it for about 15 minutes just staring at it because uh-huh. it was just one of those there was some uh, catharsis there <laughs> number six uh, when I first started collecting Masterpiece Scale, I bought the oversized MP08 Grimlock. And the Chinese seller I bought it from advertised it as the metallic silver version. When it got to me, it was flat, ugly gray. I was extremely angry. The seller was cool, gave me a discount back on it. So I ended up disassembling it and painting it myself. And that started me down the customization rabbit hole because now... I buy whatever looks even close to what I want, and then I paint it the way I think it should look. <laughs> I wish I had that skill, man. Mm. That. All right. I, I passed on the uh, Masterpiece Grimlock and uh, Toys R Us a couple years back, and I've regretted it ever since because the price has doubled, if not tripled, in some places. Oh, get the oversized knockoff one. It's more for your book. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good 11 and a half inches tall, I think, in robot mode. It's phenomenal. Nice. All right. All Thanks. right, uh, that's Mark, that's Gary, over to you. Uh, my ten through six. Um, this this is a uh, thing out of the comic books. The acolytes of Unicron, uh, not to be confused with the uh, minions of Unicron. <laughs> and there goes Aaron. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was a concept that uh, in in the the comic uh, they found their creator slash god um, Primus deep within the bowels of the planet. When he was awoken, it also sent off a signal, deep space, to Unicron, his nemesis. Um, there were some sleeper agents that were basically, we'll say, like religious fanatics, if you will. But there was this whole sect of followers. I guess they were sort of brainwashed or reprogrammed or something. But that spawned my whole, like again, I, my fantasy football team for years and years has been the Unicron's minions. Um it was just, for some reason, a concept that stuck with me. Um, number nine, um, the arrival of Volcanicus. Um, <laughs> finally, and I, I will I will preface this by saying, I think it looks like crap when it's together. 
<laughs> but uh, Power of the Primes finally released a Dinobot combiner. Um, the five original Dinobots finally form into a combiner, much like Predaking or any of the other group bots. Um, finally, wish they would have done a better job. Third parties look much better. Just saying. Number eight. Uh, finally, the release of a Quintesson Judge figure. Oh. Uh, not the Cyberverse. No, the one coming up yeah. for the uh, Earthrise. Yes, yes, the one for yeah. uh, the War for the Earthrise version. Yeah. I have wanted this forever. I have it on pre-order. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, they didn't put it out because it didn't do anything. I get it, but I still wanted it, and it soon will be mine. Number seven, uh, Unicon's transformation during the animated movie. Mm. Mind blown. Uh, Ten years old, sitting in a theater, having just been recently traumatized, um, to have a planet. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the meme where they just show, it was probably from uh, Beautiful Mind or something like that, where you just see all like the mathematical equations just like, you know, flying in front of his head. Yeah. Just, just to try to wrap my head around how that was happening. Um, it was it was just it was an amazing moment for me, and finally number six, uh, the last G one figure I picked up, I found a complete reflector. Um, he was in the original episode of the cartoon, but did not make a figure until series three, and was a mail away, and totally different from the way the cartoon looked. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, th this thing was. Not, not not necessarily a unicorn, but this wasn't even on my want list because I never thought I was going to see one. And I saw one, and I took money for things I should have not spent it on, and I bought it. So, that was my last uh, happy moment with the G1 figures. Oh, wow. Alright, anything you guys want to uh, say before we go into our top five? Well, I, I do have a couple honorable mentions as, as Mark had uh, snuck a couple in. Um... Finally getting the uh, movie DVD. Huh. Aaron, you had a big part of this. I, for the years, did not find the thing. I mean, we should uh, clarify, Darren, this is the animated film from the 80s, right? Yes, yes. Um, I don't know why you couldn't find it, but you ended up finding it for me somewhere in Canada. That was I the believe. VHS, not the DVD. Oh, that was the VHS? Oh, that's even worse. Okay. That was my very first online purchase. It was like 1994. Yeah, yeah I found it in Canada. Yeah, um, and last year, uh, my son, we, we uh, first year of Cub Scouts, for the Pinewood Derby, we actually made, I will say we, because he did help, actually made a transformable Pinewood Derby car. Took two blocks, <laughs> I hogged out the inside, we quartered the other part, it ran wonderfully, it transformed, and... The kids, not so much, but all the parents were just glowing. They'd never seen anything like it before in their lives. It was amazing. It was a very proud moment for us. But So those those are my honorable mentions. Like I said, a little more on the uh, personal side, so not really anyone's going to be able to uh, share that with me. But anyway, that's my 10 through 6. All right, let's get into our top five. I'll start. Um, and uh, Mark, you can go ahead and take a look at uh, Gary's screen right behind him. Fort Awesome is my number five. <laughs> Fort Awesome. Gary, would you like to describe Fort Awesome for me? Oh, geez. Um, it, it's an absolute disaster right now. 
but it, it is my my little uh, my little niche of my stuff. It's um, a, it's more of a concept than anything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Transformers, football cards, comic books, mostly Transformers. Uh, I haven't hung any of my uh, artwork or posters up yet, but um, yeah, it, it, it was it, not necessarily a man cave because it wasn't like an all-purpose go there to hide. It was literally just my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we nicknamed it Fort Awesome. Yeah, I remember. Um, it's it, like Disney World, it'll never be done. Um, it's it just, it's just that, that, you know, this stuff, like, I remember, like, so long ago, and, and Gary's, like, multiple. <laughs> we, Gary and I have helped each other move somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 times. Um, and I remember the first time I ever walked in wherever, I think Fort Awesome, the first place was at one of your apartments. And you're like, this is Fort Awesome. I'm like, yeah, it is. And it's like, I don't think we needed to do anything else but sit in there. It was like, hey, remember that? And we just, like, reminisced, drank beer, and just looked at figures and, um, you know, comics and stuff. And we it, we were happy as can be. Generally, it happened when it needed to, like, when one of us was, like, pining over some girl or something. It's like, we need, uh, it's like we need yeah. Fort Awesome. <laughs> so I have such fond memories. Now, Fort Awesome populated probably 90% of its Transformers G1. And it was one of those things, the most I've ever gotten back to a, a nostalgic feeling of Transformers was standing in front of that case, which I believe is right behind you, Gary, and just looking at these things going, damn, look at these things. They're so cool. Inspired me to do my Kenner Star Wars action figures the same way. Uh, Mark, you're number five. Uh, my number five, uh, 2018, Bumblebee, the first five minutes of that movie. Mm. The, the first five minutes, computer-generated, takes a lot of cues from the Fall of Cybertron series of games, shows the Autobots losing the battle, evacuating the planet as the Decepticons take over, and all I could think in that, when that scene ended was, it should not have taken this damned long for me to get a big screen movie and hear Ravage Eject. Yeah. It, it was everything in that first five minutes I want to hug Travis Knight for. I have not seen it yet. Neither. Um, Gary and I, I are supposed to watch this together. We've had a, a play date. Now it's going to be obviously much more difficult, but uh, we've been trying to do that in Strange Brew for quite some time at this point. <laughs> yeah, the, the opening of the, of the Bumblebee film just it set right everything that I had been waiting for since 2007. I mean, this this was the intro I expected to see all those years ago. And uh, I just... I loved the G1 aesthetics without being overly cartoony or toyetic. I like saying toyetic. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a fun word. <laughs> it's not a word, but hey, I liked it. So um, it wasn't too toy inspired. It wasn't too cartoon inspired. You could tell, but you can tell what characters who. Right. You, you look at them. If you're a Transformers fan, you know who this is. Can it's I ask not, a question? Oh, this is a pile of scrap metal wandering around, looking like a magnet drag through a you know junkyard. Yes. Yeah. So my question for you is, and I remember when I saw that first Michael Bay movie, before I, you know, the movie takes a while before you start realizing, uh-oh. <laughs> but there's a fight scene, and it just looked like, I remember reading Roger Ebert's review, and he said, it looked like someone threw metal in a trash can and just threw it down a hill. And I'm like, yeah, I can't, I don't know what the hell this is, I don't know who's fighting, I don't know if that's a robot or what. So that aesthetic is gone from Bumblebee. The fight scenes in Bumblebee are tightly done. The choreography of the fights is very well 
well uh, instrumented. It's uh, it doesn't focus on humans in the foreground and rolling piles of scrap metal in the background. Gary, we may need to figure out a way to do this in a socially distant way because this is sounding <laughs> like a, a must see for it's you, especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, so that was one of my. That was one of the big problems I had with the Bay films was the way the action scenes played out. And it was like somebody spins around hitting things. Then somebody gets hit and spins around over and over. And then eventually the camera spins around a few times. And for some reason, everything's twirling and I don't know why. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gary? All right. Number five. Uh, Mark, I will see your War for Cybertron video game uh, and <laughs> enter the uh, Fall of Cybertron video game trailer. Oh, Good call. When this when this first posted, um, camera fades in. You got uh, Pucifer's Humbling River playing. You got a slow motion approach of Optimus Prime carrying a fallen bumblebee. The Autobots are getting hammered, and it is a work of art. Um, the music is perfect for that scene. The I, I'm actually getting goosebumps on my legs right now just talking about it. Um, if you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. Again, it's one of those, much like the first scene of Bumblebee, it's all computer animated. You recognize all the characters. It is... I, I honestly wish they could do an entire film just like that. It yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I don't know if it's a combination of the music with it, or... I know I've watched it on mute a number of times, too. And it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it hits you in the feels. Oh, I no. forgot about that one. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's uh, I, I I looked it up and I watched it several times. <laughs> I saw a hard time ranking these just just based on you know length of description in some cases, but yeah, that one had to be up here in the discussion discussable uh, ranks here. All right, but, number four, Gary, brace yourself. My number four. I want to punch a baby. <laughs> All right. Now, this is a phrase that was uttered uh, by Gary. As soon as the credits began to roll on the very first Michael Bay Transformers film. Um, now, obviously, we, there were several beers involved. And in no way or shape or form are we advocating any sort of uh, domestic violence, um, nor is Gary. I mean, I take a lot of my fatherhood cues from uh, Gary, but this was more about a, a, a man who had waited uh, as long as anyone had waited for anything to hit the silver screen. And then I think, you know, the worst part about it was when we, who are Star Wars fans, had the prequel trilogy, we were disappointed, but we already had Star Wars, right? We already had the perfect trilogy. Um, so whatever damage was done, we were eventually going to be able to go back and just, you know, okay, we're okay. We still got this cool thing. Um, you didn't. And I remember the year before seeing Batman Begins, and anyone who was a Batman fan, you know, you probably went into Batman a little bit skeptical, but you came out. A believer, right? Oh, I, um, I can't stand and go at the end of that film. I took Gary with my parents because you know the Batman films have been terrible. Like, oh my God, Gary, you got to see this. You gotta, you're coming with me. So I took Gary and my we we my my mom and dad. And we all went, and then when the movie was over. Gary stood up and like, oh my 
God, they freaking nailed it. And I was so convinced going into Transformers from everything I've seen. I mean, Peter Cullen is the voice of Optimus Prime. I was absolutely convinced that this was going to be it. And it was all right for a little bit. I remember Gary, like, grabbing my leg on when Transformer, when Optimus Prime was transforming. And I was like, man, this is pretty sweet. And then I remember it started to go south a little bit a little bit at a time. Now, you lasted a lot longer. It sounds like you guys made it a lot further into the movie before you realized this thing was a piece of trash. Because when they were outside Shia LaBeouf's house, and I remember Optimus Prime saying to Bumblebee, oh, what's, what's with you today? And I went, whoa. And then they're on the run from the army. The army's chasing an alien being. And Optimus Prime doesn't think, hey, why don't I transform? He hides under a bridge instead. Yeah. yeah dude, <laughs> what do you th- it's 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 the it's the Obi-Wan watching his lightsaber fall down a chasm. Hey buddy, use the force. <laughs> um transform, dude. transform in the middle of a backyard, fenced in backyard. Right. Um and as the movie went on, I got more and more uncomfortable because Gary was like pounding the seat next to me. Keep in mind, we pre-gamed this thing fiercely. I was kind of surprised, but we definitely pre-gamed this movie big time. Um, and I think Gary sobered up is instantly at one point, but he, like pounding the seat, like oh, like I could feel like Gary's this like massive strong guy. Like I have a. Uh, a, uh, a movie tie bag in the basement that I will not let him hit because it's going to go through a wall. Um, but it just got more. I, I was like, I remember just like leaning away from Gary and like, oh God, this is this. And as soon as that movie was over, he was like, I look, I, I think of him like one eye twitching. And he just goes, I'm so mad. I want to punch a baby. And I'm like, okay. And I was concerned because I wasn't sure where we were with this, this thing. But I'm like, uh, Gary, I think this movie really sucked. And he's like, oh, it's terrible. Oh, my God. And he was, I've never seen anyone like that angry about a movie. Now, I will submit, justifiably so, by the way. So that is my number four. Because of that film, I said I would never watch another Michael Bay movie, even if it was about me. <laughs> so. I'd say that's a good reason never to watch a Michael Bay film is if it's about you. I mean, that's that's kind of common sense. Yeah, that's very true. Now, there are just, not that many explosions in my life. So, now that exemplifies, by the way, favorite moment. I mean, it's not a great moment for you, Gary. Sorry, but it no. is a moment I'm never going to forget, forget as long as I live. Mark, uh, number four and number three for me are kind of tied, so I'm putting them in an order for a reason because one has to perceive the other. So my number four is going to be the end of the first four-issue comic book series that kicked off the Transformers for Marvel. Mm. So at the end of this four-issue series, the Autobots have taken casualties throughout this run. They're not doing too hot. It ends up the Decepticons kidnap Sparkplug Witwicky, force him to synthesize fuel for them. They're fully powered. There's a ragtag, small band of Autobots led by Optimus Prime making a desperate last stand at the Ark. The Decepticons arrive, it's a heated battle, they're losing, and then they find out that Sparkplug poisoned the fuel that he gave them. And so the Decepticons start going down, the Autobots are rejoicing, and then in the last panel, Shockwave arrives. 
and this giant space gun blows a hole in the side of the mountain and wastes everybody. Everybody. Like, every Autobot done. And it was one of those, as a kid reading, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> so it was a... It was a that, that's where you wouldn't get that in the cartoon. <laughs> no. See, see, something like that didn't make my list because it wasn't what I considered a favorite moment. It was definitely memorable, but I can't really say I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, we'll get with my number two. We'll get to why it's a favorite moment for me. So All right. that will be explained. All right. Okay. Um, no, I mean, definitely, definitely a memorable moment. I, I can envision it clearly in my head. You'll, you'll understand why I'm not psychotic. I'll explain later. All right. Well, once again, Mark, I will see your uh, end of issue four, and I will step up with the cover of issue five. The Transformers are all dead. All dead. Shockwave, what I considered at the time to be a photorealistic rendering. I was in awe when I first got that. This was the uh, first time I ever had a subscription to a magazine or anything. I was getting the Transformers comic delivered to my house, and when that thing showed up, man, oh, I was was afraid to touch it. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. Story inside, good, good, but man, that cover, that was was fantastic. Um, I mean, especially compared to, you know, what the artwork had been, you know, previous issues and, you know, going forward. Like, just the fact, I'm like, how come they couldn't do that inside the book? That would be amazing. It was like the masterpiece version of I don't know, all the G1 stuff, really. It's just... Yeah, to, to clarify that a little bit, it would have been like, you know, um, Alex Ross before there was Alex Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was beautiful. This is our all-dead scrolled in the wall. He's got the smoking laser. And I was like, it was right after, like you said, you know, he wipes out literally everybody. It, that comic cover is actually why I bought the Masterpiece Scale Shockwave that I have, because it looked like that Shockwave. Mm. <laughs> I am drooling. That is delicious. All right. Uh, moving on. My number three yes. uh, is a personal one, and it's getting Optimus Prime for Christmas. I knew he was going to be hard to come by. News reports stated as much. Even Santa was having a hard time locating him, so I felt chances were slim. But shortly after dawn of 1984, that packaging, which I can only describe as having used the laser light background from those 1980s school photos, revealed itself. And I always seem to recall that moment on Christmas morning, especially now watching my children open their gifts. Every Christmas, I, I think of that. Because it's, you know, it's so materialistic, let's be honest. But still, it's like my little kid, like, a dream come true at that point. You know, the biggest dream I had was to get Optimus Prime for Christmas, and I did it. I got it. Um, and I know my parents, that was, I remember that being from them. And it was kind of like, you know, I was, I was probably eight, seven or eight years older. I don't really know uh, the time frame. But I think at that point, they were probably like, no, 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 no. This is our victory, not Santa's. Um <laughs> And I, I'm looking forward to that moment for my... I'm sure Lily's had that moment a couple of times and CJ's going to get there soon enough. Um, I mean, I devoured that cartoon series as much as Masters of the Universe, Dungeons and Dragons, Muppet Babies, anything other. I, I was and I was stunned later that year when... Or probably the year following when I watched that big movie. Moments of which I'm sure we're going to be getting to. I don't want to steal too much from that. Um 
but I still remember like holding that thing and seeing it and I mean it just going I, I can't believe I've got this in my hand and I, I remember still holding that box and I had that box for so long to the point where it was tattered and ripped before it finally got thrown away but I refused to even get rid of that box and like I remember probably for a good month after Christmas when I was done playing with Optimus Prime at night I put him back in the box um, oh yeah yeah so I mean what else would you do with him <laughs> but uh it's uh it's something i'll never forget and i i mean even still now to this day like i i do have that that's like the one thing i've grasped onto still with transformers mark all right number three following on the heels of shockwave destroying everything uh marvel number seven ratchet infiltrating the arc and running up and uh, running against megatron ratchet mm-hmm. In this issue, has Ratchet was away from the Ark when it was destroyed, or when it was assaulted by Shockwave. He missed out on the carnage. He sneaks back in, and the issue, reading it now, plays off kind of like a diehard-type scenario, except your main character, instead of a street-savvy New York cop, is a doctor with no combat experience, using nothing but his wits. And laser scalpel. And a laser scalpel that does absolutely jack and crap to Megatron. <laughs> he tries. He really does. But it's. I liked that it forced him to think around the situation and came up with a rather interesting solution to it at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Dinobots was a yeah. result of that. Yeah. yeah, no, Ratchet got quite a run. Um, Ratchet was awesome in the comics. Yeah. Actually, there were a couple, couple uh, story arcs I think he got... A lot of uh, front and center time. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's why my uh, masterpiece Ratchet is repainted to look like the comic book version. Nice. All right, Gary. Gary. Number three, and this this hurts me because again, it's Michael Bay. Um, Mark, you kind of touched on it. You know, this wasn't your Optimus Prime. Um, end of Dark of the Moon. Prime loses his composure. <laughs> Curb stomp Sentinel Prime. Pulls out Megatron's spine. Just like it is something I had always wanted to see. You know, all all the cartoons, it's like, okay, let him go, you know, or you just know he's gonna do something again later. You know, and you've been doing this supposedly for millions of years, and you keep letting him go and letting him go. You know what? Screw that. He just it stomps on the one dude's head, grabs Megatron by the head, and literally pulls the spine out of his body. Like, I'm done. The I, endless was, philosophical and, discussion, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and I was afraid I would get a psychotic. <laughs> it was Michael Bay's version, but it was something that it, it scratched that itch. It's like, that is something I needed to see. Even in the animated film, you know, he, he had him, you know, gun barrel down to his face, you know, before Hot Rod jumped in. But it's like, you know, you know he wasn't going to pull the trigger. You know, there would have been some sort of, okay, you know, we'll capture him, disarm him, something like that. But that, that was just something I needed to see. Just uh, cold-blooded execution. Okay. Yeah. I get the uh, wonderful opportunity to follow that up. Um, <laughs> so my number two, and I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get to this. Um, maybe it's, you know, and if we are someone, you know, tell me to pump the brakes because I'll save what I'm going to say until then. 
but Optimus Prime meets his demise in the Transformers animated movie 1986. Is that correct? Yes. Um, is this uh, something we're going to be covering, or should we do it now? I left this off of my list because it was not something that was my favorite. My I'm, favorite. I'm, I'm touching on it, but run with that because my angle's totally different than what you're going to say. I know it. Okay. Um, it was... Uh, it's my favorite moment because I, it was the first time I think a character, maybe the the second time, the only one, other one I can think of a character that I had familiarized myself with and I had watched and enjoyed. The only one I can think of at that time was Spock dying in the wrath of Khan. Um, and you know, I looked around like people say Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I met him in the movie and he died in the same movie. I watched Spock on the TV show growing up with my dad. I had been watching Optimus Prime um, on a cartoon series for two years at that point. However, probably 80 some episodes. I don't even know. So anyway, you don't know going in that's going to happen. I mean, for a kid seeing that, you're like, wait what's happening no you can't do this it's shocking it's the first time a character I, what's that that was traumatic yes for me. yes I, I remember walking out of theater going i'm sure i hated that movie because of it i mean of course now we recognize the masterpiece that it is but but i remember like going home and like seeing my toy optimus prime i couldn't play with it I'm like he's dead they killed him I remember my dad going, you can't kill a robot. F you, dad. You don't understand anything. No, I didn't say that, of course. And I was just like, all right, I guess you're right. Uh, I guess I'll just go watch some baseball now. Um, But, you know, it's – I I just remember, like, being in a fog, like, complete disbelief. And then, like, as some of my – I had very few friends, but, you know – even like, cause I mean, Mark, you know, you, you talked about your childhood. I had a wonderful childhood, thanks to my parents. But I was bullied mercilessly. I've made mention of this on the podcast multiple times. That's why I do the MMA thing and all, and psychologically, whatever. But even like those kids that I didn't get along with, who'd seen the movie, they wanted to talk to you about it. Like, did you see the movie? I'm like, yeah. What happened? Like, I, I don't know. It was just like it, for like it was people were just stunned. I mean, kids like the kiddom in the 1980s came to a standstill when that happened and it's hard to quantify or qualify that moment properly. Um, but like I said, for me, it was just like the first time a character that I had been watching and familiarizing himself gets blown apart on screen. And it's not one of those, and of course you'd, you'd get that tease right in the cartoon or like Gary mentioned a moment ago, they would capture them or there'd be some way out of it. But I don't remember the moment specifically at this point. And but I remember when it happened, you knew this wasn't something that was being undone by the end of this movie. It was He was gone. Yeah. He was down for the count, and that was it. So I just I, – I, I still, like, when you think about that, you're like, that. But now if you go back and you, you think about it, what a set of stones on that production team to oh do my. that. I mean, yeah, you're good. Um, to figure we have this billion-dollar toy franchise – we're gonna kill off the lead character. I mean, how that actually made it to screen, knowing what we know now about 
like you cannot kill off the guy that's making us a billion dollars. I mean, obviously that's hyperbole, but still, you, you, well, you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that. Um, we as can't sell. It was to kill off the entire cast so they could put new toys on the show. Well, yeah, right. but and it same... backfired so miserably that right. Duke ended up in a coma in GI Joe. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember. I was, you know, that's one of those things I remember, like because. The G.I. Joe movie never actually makes it to theaters because of this. But, I mean, there's so like, the, the ramifications of what happened there. Like, the G.I. Joe movie was coming next. But the Transformers movie was, was received so poorly because of that. And you're right, Duke. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember, like, when you watch that now, it's so laughable. It's, like, the very last thing. Hey, everyone. It's, like, so, I don't even remember who it was. He gets off the phone. Hey, everyone. Just got off the phone with Doc. Duke's going to make it. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. It's so funny. But, like, it's, it's there's no way. Like, I don't think, I don't know of a, a kid's show that's done that since in a in any form. Like, an, an honest-to-God kid's show. That's still, like, Gary, you're right. It's traumatic. I remember seeing that with my mom, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it was it was maybe one of the very first times you had to confront death. I, I they, they realized their error. I mean, they ended up bringing Optimus back. Yes, but not till the end of the final of the series. Yeah, he doesn't come back until the end. I know. They, they hold your horses on that. <laughs> okay. All right. So you hold your horses on that. I have many questions. Um, <laughs> really? Mark, you're number two. <laughs> okay, so number two for me touches on the same subject as Darren, but in a slightly different way. Um, the deaths in the Transformers movie. And I'm going to say the deaths, because by the time Prime did it, I was kind of numb already. Oh, yeah. Because of oh, all of the yeah. carnage and horror leading up to it. I mean, things like Prowl getting shot with a disruptor and burning from the inside out as he falls down screaming flames coming from his eyes and mouth. Iron High taken point blank in the face. Yeah. And that's, that's my next one was, you know, Ironhide injured, crawling across the floor of the shuttle to try to grab at Megatron, the last-ditch attempt to get to him, as Megatron just looks down, I think says something like, pathetic, and blows his head off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man. And it's, you know, Woo! all of these deaths lead up to Prime dying. So by the time Prime actually went, I was so numb at that point, I don't think it had the same impact on me. A lot of people were... Going like my a lot of these characters were my favorite characters. <laughs> man, oh man! If you, if you think and about then, it, like none of the Decepticons didn't lose anybody. I mean, they all went out off into space and they got reformatted, but they were all still alive. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's it, it was, and for me, this is a favorite moment. Not because they died, because now I'm a writer. I I write comic books. I write fictional stories, and it taught me that the good guys don't always have to win. It taught me that there can be stakes, real stakes. And that when that happens, your emotional investment ratchets up significantly. Because I didn't know any of these other characters, RC, Springer, Ultra Magnus, Hot Rod. I mean, okay, the Dinobots are the only one I know. Who the hell are these people? Right. But because I saw what happened to everybody else, I knew the danger to them was real. And so it made me much more invested in their story, knowing that these that, that this story wasn't going to pull its punches. Yeah, like if, if they were able to take out these guys, you know, what did these other unknowns? Have, you know, what chance do they have? Exactly, it was desperate. And as Darren well knows, 
I absolutely love when the good guys are, you know, outnumbered, outclassed, and outmatched. That's that's my best kind of story right there. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny when we mention this and we think about it. I wonder, like, how many times I've watched movies in which the hero dies where I'm kind of like, eh, <laughs> it's not like Prime. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I, so I got that, that Band-Aid was ripped off when I was eight years old, man. <laughs> and there was no going back at that point. Good luck trying to surprise me that. now. Yeah. Um, all right, Gary, number two. Um, okay, this is going to kind of touch on something that, again, uh, both of you had mentioned. Um, my first figure uh, with Wheeljack. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Birthday party back in probably 84, 85. It's got to be 84. Um, I got Wheeljack and Ratchet my birthday. Probably uh, back Wheeljack. in 84, or as I like to refer to it as, Gary, forgive me for interrupting, the brief period of our existence where we did not know each other. Yes. Oh, yeah, really. That's about. This is like a pre Darren. Um, I can even wear PD. Yeah. Um, PG for me. There you go. Um, there is something about Wheeljack. I don't. I, as, as a career, am a machine designer. I am a mechanical engineer. Um, I have seven different versions of Wheeljack. He has been. Hands down, my favorite character in whatever version they happen to put out. I don't know if it's because of my mind and my interests that I gravitated towards him, or if it's because of him that I started gravitating towards design. I got. Um, I remember sitting down in my my parents' basement, you know, at like 13 years old, drawing up sketches of transformers boats submarines you know things that weren't out yet you know i had schematics i had how they moved how they came apart college projects i 3d modeled transformers um but it's always been about wheeljack he was the first one i got and the color scheme was awesome i loved his personality his bio his character in the show um that scientist <laughs> yeah sort of i mean it was I mean, a little like you said, about a little ridiculous in the TV show. It's like, oh yeah, I developed this. I don't know. It, it's almost like uh, Batman's utility belt. Yeah. You know, he just happened to have, you know, bat shark spray on him, or you know, just some like, why would he have that? You know, it's just. But yeah, so re receiving my first figure, Wheeljack, when I was probably ten years old. Um, my number two moment in uh, Transformers. Man, okay, you guys ready? Yep. So let's bring this puppy home. My number one moment, and I need a little help with this. We just—I think Mark, you were just referencing it. It is an episode of the cartoon series, um, and it's when Prime returns. Now, let me give you a couple of uh, um, caveats here. I have a vague memory of this, but it is extremely, an extremely fond memory of this. Um, and I did go and try to look this up last night, and I'm not sure I got the right episode. Now, obviously, there's a two-parter called The Return of Optimus Prime, and it's not like I remember. So I'm kind of like, you know what, maybe I don't want to go down this road. But as I remember it, they I don't remember who it was, but they were investigating some sort of derelict ship, and they found Prime. And it was Prime's lifeless body. I don't recall how they found him or why he was in this ship 
As I, as, I re, as I remember as a kid, this didn't seem to jive with the movie that his body was just out there somewhere, his, his shell. Um, and they were, it was almost like they were going and the ship was like kind of acted like a haunted house. And his soul, or whatever you want to say, I don't know how you say it for a robot, but his soul was out there somewhere and he was trying to get back. And they kept coming across like these almost zombified versions. And I started watching an episode last night where these scientists were talking about spores. And they found, like, what was it with the Sunbow Productions that were obsessed with spores? Because that was the whole basis for the G.I. Joe movie. And now they're still doing spores in the Transformers TV show. They did quite a lot on the Transformers cartoon. So they were really obsessed with it. Um, You know, we say that now. We're going to find out that the whole coronavirus thing was from some spore. I'm like, okay, guess they were right. (laughs) My bad. Um, But uh, it's... uh, But I, I remember, like, racing home from school to see that thing. And, you know, it, it happened to come on, like, at, I think it was, like, 3 o'clock. And I generally got home between 3, 3 o'clock and 3.05. And the first thing I was, like, just dart into uh, my room and turn on Transformers. And I had already missed the first five minutes, so I was like... And you didn't know that he was coming back, but you saw Prime, and like, oh, it's a rerun. <gasps> no, it isn't! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! What's going on? So I had this, like, super fond memory of childhood, like, the return of Optimus Prime. I don't know if I'm remembering it correctly... But there was Quintesson Judge involved. Yeah, was they what? bring back Prime to combat the uh, hate plague, right? Yeah, he, he had to empty out the rest of the Matrix or something. Like, the only way to fight madness is with wisdom. Or something was like the tagline. Yeah. And they wrong. pretty much emptied out what was left in the Matrix. Now, does he hang around after that, or does he expire again? No, he, he hangs around, but that was pretty much the end of the series, though, wasn't it? it was, that was the finale of the series, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the last two episodes? Three. I think it was a three-parter. Three. Oh. It was a three-part end of season three. I think there was a brief season four, wasn't there? I don't know. Yeah, no, there is, but it, it, like not said, many episodes. I think that's when they got into like headmasters and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I haven't made it that far in the box set because season three is a real slog, and I can't quite get through it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that season two was a eight-disc matter. You know, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. As I tried to watch that, and I, I, you learn more about the Sunbow Productions and Mark's right. It was like this cheap Korean animation. And you know what's funny? Do you know who wrote The Return of Optimus Prime? Off the I, top of my head, I no. Mar, Marv Wolfman wrote it. Really? Yeah, I, which is weird because it's right when he was doing the new Teen Titans, which is, you know, I'm a huge Marv Wolfman guy. Wolfman and Perez, like my favorite team. Um, and... Uh, I remember seeing that. Oh, Mark Woolman wrote this. So you, if you, you you watch, I think you know Mark was uh, alluding to this earlier with Bob Udiansky. The stories um, that are written for the cartoon are actually quite good, but the animation is so subpar that the, it's almost like the animation can't can't accomplish the storytelling at all. Yeah, some some of the stories for season three are actually quite ambitious by Transformers cartoon standards. But the animation, it, they, they went from Sunbow to Acom in season three. Oh, so did. the traditionally bad animation got multitudes worse. Yeah, Ooh. and you know, it's funny. It makes you appreciate something like Filmation cartoons, how, you know, they were, you know, cheaply produced out of necessity. 
but they just you know, they recycled a lot of uh, cells when they needed to. Um, so it's funny, like after having seen a couple of those Transformers episodes, I'm like, maybe uh, maybe watching Masters of the Universe isn't going to be so bad after all. Um, yeah, it, there's parts in season three where it's like you know, in the first two seasons, you'd have Jetfire, Skyfire, whatever you want to call them, be different sizes in different scenes. Like they'd re- they'd range from Prime coming up to his belly button to coming up to his chest. Right. In season three, one of the first episodes, I think it was, uh, I don't remember if it was just Motormaster or the full Menasaur combiner, but changes size like three or four times in the same shot. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, anyway, (laughs) I don't know uh, if you guys have that same memory, but that's just like the one thing I remember as a kid, like that being a very important moment. And I I remember it had to have been, it couldn't have been that long after the movie, though. I mean, I don't, I bet you it wasn't even a year, but I don't really know. Um, but that, that's a big deal. All right, Mark, you're number one. Uh, my number one, the first time I heard Optimus Prime's voice. Peter Cullen, that voice just spoke to me on some deep level. Something about it was just so soothing and full of presence. <laughs> it's Mark's I, it's, ASMR. <laughs> it, it really is. It, it's funny because I always say that there are two things from TV that helped me grow up to be a good man. One of them was Optimus Prime, the other was Fred Rogers. They're pretty much opposites there. (laughs) But, you know, those two were father figures to me. They were, you know, things that taught me right from wrong. And Prime's voice, just like Fred Rogers, is one of those, I hear it, and it just immediately gives me a calming sensation. I just, I love the sound of the voice. It's such a deep-rooted childhood memory for me. Hmm. I mean, there there is no other voice like his to me. Um, I mean, Frank Welker. I mean, he, he's done a number of other things. Well, Frank Welker is known as the man of a thousand voices in Hollywood for a reason. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it would be. But I mean, Peter Cullen. It's it's just. I mean, that's he's Optimus Prime. That's it. I, I could not. I but, couldn't get past Peter Cullen voicing Eeyore. Anymore. Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was just like I'm like, why? What is he going to transform and roll out? What's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, Transformers was my, was my jam, you know, it's like, I had some Star Wars figures, I had some G.I. Joe stuff, but, like, none of it really stuck, you know, so Optimus Prime was, you know, like, like you said, a father figure, he, he was, like, to me, the epitome of the leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was selfless, he was strong when he had to be, and that voice was just, that was him. That was, uh, you know, I didn't have to see him. That's I didn't true. have to read it. I mean, I, I read it in his voice. Exactly. It's it's one of those iconic voices where yes. I read the comic books. I hear other voices for other characters. There's some that I, I pull from the cartoon, but Optimus Prime will always be Peter Cullen. Just like if I read a Batman comic, it's always Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Yeah, Batman and Joker will always be those voices in my head now. I'm the same way with uh, Superman comics and Christopher Reeve. And uh, there was a while yeah. back I was doing IDW's uh, run of Star Trek comics uh, for the podcast. They were very good, but they ended up doing a crossover at one point, and the Transformers yep. were involved. And uh, I subconsciously was definitely reading Peter Cullen's voice. Um, so it's uh, it's just I just I don't know how you look at that character and not hear that Which- guy's voice. I like the idea of Transformers Star Trek as a crossover. The more recent ones, I'm kind of questioning. 
I, I haven't read Transformers versus Terminator, but that seems like a short fight. Step on them. Yeah, that was. And, uh... Uh, the, the newest one is Transformers: My Little Pony: Friendship and Disguise. I'm not even touching that. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> got to be a parody, right? I mean, that's one of those things I almost picked up to send you guys. Like, hey, Transformers are back, guys. <laughs> Have fun. Um, I'm playing uh, Transformers: Earth Wars, the phone game. And for the uh, April Fool's joke, they teased a uh, My Little Pony crossover. <laughs> and the you know, Facebook page blew up. I mean, was, <laughs> that's yeah, funny. That was not received well. <laughs> so that's, this was kind of like when Netflix pulled an April Fool's joke and said there was new episodes of Firefly available. Right. Oh, I, I, I saw that coming a mile away, though, fortunately. I thought it was hilarious. That was very funny. Um,. You know, it's, I, I ended up playing the Transformers Angry Birds game a while back. I found it really fun. I don't know if you guys I'm, ever got around I'm to doing that. Either. Yeah. Um, I tried it. I'm just so bored with Angry Birds at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, Angry it was... Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, there was a while. If it was a Transformers game, it's on my phone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Gary, take us home. All right. Well, much like my number five, the uh, Fall of Cybertron video game trailer with the music overdub. I've got you've got the touch rise <laughs> bottom of prime. Hot Rod has the matrix in hand. Cue music. Cue goosebumps. Cue Optimus Prime. Validating Rodimus Prime as the new head honcho. Um, again, I, I watch this movie once a month, and still to this day. That initial cue, when he gets the Matrix in his hand and opens it, says, you know, light our darkest hour, and you hear Optimus's voice, rise Rodimus Prime. And it, it's just, I don't know, like I said, it's, it's a goosebump moment for me. It, it is the perfect blend of emotion and, you know, the music overlay and, like, for all, all the, the worry you had up to that exact moment you finally knew everything was going to be all right and like i said you you have optimus prime the one you know who always made things better you know came in to put his stamp on it um it has to it has to be my favorite moment right now like i said it's my favorite movie of all time and it is still to this day no matter how many times i watch it a goosebump inducing moment Hey, Gary, you got your yes, phone sir. handy? I do. Call me. I, uh, right. It is a cool moment in the movie. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those, it's, it's still a little bit cheesy, but... Um, all right, coming through. All right. Silence. Oh, for some reason, it isn't working. Of course, it's not working. But anyway, that would have been my really funny way to say that Gary's ringtone is "You've got the touch." Anytime he calls ah. me, that's what goes off. Of course, right. my phone was on silence. Um, <laughs> As but, it uh, should. <laughs> here we go. Now, why is this Dragon. thing not working? There we oh, go. Yeah. The most 80s thing in 80s history, by the way. Uh, who sings that again? Who, was, who did that? Stan Bush. 
Oh, oh Dan Bush. Yeah. That's Dan uh, Bush. You know what's funny? I bet I would be moved to tears if I saw it today, though. I think I would probably be freaking out, like, going, oh, my God, it's got that touch. Like, uh, can, you and Gary and I are both pro wrestling fans. Like, can you imagine, like, that being your entrance music? Wait a minute! <laughs> it's Baba Ganoush! <laughs> um, that is, it, it's the, it, maybe it, in top ten most 80s moments in 80s history, that is in the top ten for sure. Um, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because it's, you know, it's Rodimus Prime, right? I mean, where where are you guys on the Rodimus Prime thing, by the way? Uh, that's another one that's big online for controversy. I'm in a few Transformers groups, and anytime somebody posts a picture of Hot Rod or Rodimus Prime, you can guarantee there's going to be 65 comments that follow whining about how he got Prime killed. It's like, wow, it happened 35 years ago. Get over it. Yeah. No, I, I, a number of memes like, Brian, I'm so sorry. Get the F away from me. You know, like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Hot Rod was doing the best he could. He was a kid. He was just trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those, though, like, I still recall seeing that Rodimus Prime. I think, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. I think that my tr- my love of Transformers, or I'm Transformers probably ended for me after that movie. Like, very slowly, because I was still interested in to see Prime come back. But, I mean, I, I, I seem to recall my mom, like, oh, so do you want some of these for Christmas, your birthday, or Erotimus Prime? I'm like, nah. <laughs> I mean, I was never one to turn down something like that, but I just had no interest in him whatsoever. And I was like, and I remember, like, not watching the, the cartoon series following that either. But the thing for me, I mean, with, with you know, Optimus Prime had literally millions of years of backstory um you know he had the respect of all of his troops he was you know a battle-tested veteran he was you know everything that everyone wanted in a leader rodimus prime had no backstory he literally just came into being moments ago yeah the recycled chosen one storyline like it sort of puts a damper on the whole thing i don't know it's just it's uh, you killed off optimus prime for this guy it's like, you know, you, you gave the Matrix to Ultra Magnus, who, who seemed like a legit successor. You know, but apparently he wasn't chosen, you know, and then... I, again, again with, with Optimus Prime, and this is one of those things where the comic book and the cartoon deviate, you know, in, in the the comic, Optimus Prime was like, like a clerk or something like that, and like him and Megatron had almost a friendship going back, and then, you know, things went south and they split. In the cartoon, he was Orion Pax. He was just some punky robot who Megatron blasted and was rebuilt by Alpha Trion, and all of a sudden he was Optimus Prime. Um, I forget what my point was to that. Um, <laughs> well, I was trying to, you know, they're trying to get over on Rodimus Prime. It was kind of reminded me like when the great Kali beat the Undertaker, to put it in wrestling terms, and we we're all like, him? <laughs> like, that's who you came up with to beat the Undertaker? Or like, I don't know, like something else. I'm running out of gas here. <laughs> it's, yeah. But it's just, it just didn't seem like, all right, if you have like, you know, it's not like, you know, your best player in the team at one point is Darius Miles, and then you draft LeBron James and Darius Miles like, well, this is still my team. And you're like, uh, buddy, you just got traded. <laughs> you're out yeah. of here. This is not like LeBron, like, the you know, Rodimus Prime is not – LeBron James coming up to Darius Miles in this case. No, um, it's like you took something that was great and replaced it with something so far subpar. 
you know, that, I don't know, you, you, you relied on Optimus's experience to get you through things, and now the guy that you're supposed to follow doesn't have any experience. Yeah, it's... He's it's, got mentors, you know, there was Cup and Magnus and Springer and all them around him, but... And obviously funny, Mark is right, it was done totally to sell new toys, to get new Transformers on the shelves, and Mark's totally right about that. And so, are you guys, I not having followed this, that is the sort of thing that, you know, that was sort of the first nail in the coffin for the for the original run of the toy lines. Am I right about that? Are you guys are staying that? Yeah, people yeah. actually ended up being less than enthused about the newer characters showing up on the show. Oh, I did. <laughs> I, I'm sure I jumped shit pretty quickly. With so many options popping up, like comics and cartoons and stuff like that. You know, at that time, I'm starting to get into sports and, you know, like big time into sports by that point. Um, and the Browns being really good, your, your attention starts to shift. Like, well, you just killed off my favorite character, and now the cartoon series doesn't have him, so I'm not watching anymore. I mean, makes yeah, sense. I think um, it's kind of funny because, like Gary was saying, not only does he not have any experience, but I'm watching season three trying to plow through that, and Robinus Prime is almost kind of uh, amb- ambivalent about everything. It's just things happen, he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Total teenager. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Transformers? I'm, I'm. By the way, you guys did a fantastic job. This is really fun. Um, I, I, we could talk a lot more about this, but you know, it's uh, it's something I definitely am starting to feel like. You know, this is something that really did mean something to me as a kid, and I shouldn't take a look another look back into it. But I'm definitely glad the two of you were here. Um, did a fantastic job. It was really in so, a lot of the stuff I didn't know. Uh, you know. Uh, like what are headmasters and, and the, uh, the judge was that the Fu Manchu guy from uh, the movie? It's the the judge is the one with the five heads that spin around. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they made a toy of that. It should be coming they out. They are making one. Oh, they're just now getting around to that. Wow, that's kind of crazy. And in, in a world in which you know everything is overmined, the fact that something like that memorable is still not in people's hands is surprising. And. I know Gary's going to love this, but the second I take that thing out of the package, the first thing I'm probably going to do is hold it up and say something like, Innocent. <laughs> I remember that. That's crazy. You're going to take yours out of the package? No. Absolutely. I play with all my toys. Uh, I, do not, I do not collect boxes, sir. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you again oh. so much. Um, you know... I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say. You guys really took over for uh, this, me on this one. It was a great job. I, you guys want to wrap this up for me? If it comes across, I can say one thing. I am Optimus Prime. I can nice. think of no better way to end it. As Phil would say, <laughs> in the meantime, enjoy your comics because sometimes they are more than meets the eye.